We're going to talk about a really important subject uh, this morning, and that is uh, the church and the metaphor of being a family. So before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is uh, great to be here this morning and to share life with so many other folks. And we thank you for the power of your word. And Lord, there is no greater metaphor than the church than family. And so, Lord, I pray for those who came here this morning, maybe for the very first time, uh, that have been hurt in the past, uh, are looking for a home, that, Lord, we'll always do everything we can uh, to be a home for those that are hurting and to be a family. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. On May 1st, uh, we're going to have a really neat celebration. It is our one-year anniversary. And uh, you may remember, if you were here that first Sunday, we had the uh, uh, Chick-fil-A cow. I mean, good, big budget. So anyway, we had the balloons and uh, a big party. And we're going to have another party. And they're going to be celebrating on the east side also what's going on here on the west side. So we're just so excited. And one of the questions that comes up uh, over this past year is membership. What's that look like? And here's one of the things that I'm excited about at Sherwood Oaks. Uh, we've talked a lot about this. Is um, We love the fact that people want to be a part of what we're doing, and we call that membership. But we're really working hard towards changing the word membership because the word membership sounds like you're part of a club. And when you're a part of a club, you come in with the attitude of, what can you offer me? And that's not a good thing. We'd rather say that you're partnership. You're a part of something. And we want you to know that if you're going to be a part of what we're doing on the east side, what, you're, what we're doing here on the west side, that we, in, in, uh, with everything in us, we want you to partner with us to serve the Lord. It's not about a membership. It's not about a club. It's about serving with one another. I hope you're excited about that. And as we move towards May 1st, some of you may be wrestling with being a part of what's going on here on the west side. And we'd love for you to continue to pray about that. That's why last week we talked about the church and the fact that we need to realize that the church is the bride of Christ, which means he loves us. He loves everybody here. But also he reaches out through his word. He says, really, if you think about church, the best description is it's a family. It's a family. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to stroll back through memory lane uh, that I grew up with. Uh, and experiencing family through TV shows. So I'm going to play a soundbite. I want to see if some of you have experienced these families. So let's play that first soundbite. See if you know what it is. All right. Raise your hand if you know what that is. You got to be over the age of 40. What is that? Everybody? Leave it to Beaver. And then, you know, I started going to my buddies' homes, and I noticed that moms didn't have pearl necklaces on. And when dad's dressed down, it meant they wore a carnigan. You know, I realized that maybe life was just a little bit deeper than Leave it to Beaver. And then uh, I love this family TV movie. Sunday, Monday, happy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. Thursday, Friday, happy now, days. Now, seriously, if you don't get that one, when it says happy days, okay. How many of you imitated the Fonz? Am I the only one? Come on. Good job. Interestingly enough, when they shot Happy Days, do you remember right around that time, our nation was really struggling uh, with the Vietnam War, with Watergate, and so the producer said, we're going to make the most feel-good sitcom you've ever seen. Families are going to actually sit at the table, and they're going to hug, and he said, every bit of that is intentional. And people are going to say, that is so cheesy, 
but I could care less. And we're going to go back to the days of the 50s, and we're just going to see if people respond. And they loved Happy Days. And then the number one show that came after Days was Laverne Shirley, which was terrible. But anyway, um, <laughs> here's, here's one. In my household, we were, not a, a, we were not allowed to watch this, and then eventually my mom caught on to it. Let's see if you recognize this. From Television City in Hollywood. Boy, the way Glenn Miller played. How many remember that one? Songs that made the hit parade. All right. Here's what's interesting about All in the Family. When they shot the pilot, they never dreamed it would make it because Archie was basically a bigot. And you know why it made it? Because everybody knew an Archie. And they talked about things that nobody else talked about. And it was the first show that ever had the sound effect of a toilet flushing. And people were like, that's what goes on in real homes. And then right after this was this one. How many remember the Jeffersons? What you talking about, Wheezy? I, I love George Jefferson, man. Now, we've got, uh, uh, this is interesting. I just want to share this last thing. Uh, do you know what the longest running TV family is? 27 seasons. Anybody want to guess? The Simpsons. Wow. Isn't that a snapshot? Wow. That's scary, okay? So if you're like me, uh, even after all those glorious family TVs, uh, emphasizing family, here's what I walked away with is that's still really not like my family. I don't know if you felt like that. It was a great escape, but it really wasn't like what went on in my family, my buddies' families. And so this morning, I just want to share some things that I think are really important about family. I read this bumper sticker, I love this, describing family. <laughs> my family, insanity does not run in my family. Rather, it strolls through, taking its time, getting to know everybody personally. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that's your family. That was my family. And Michael J. Fox said this, family is not an important thing, it's everything. I agree with that. So this morning, let's look at three observations concerning the family, and the church. Here's my first observation. Families are not always as they appear. In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Let me back that up a little bit. For what? All have sinned. All of us in this room, we are sinners. I mean, that's not the best way to greet each other every Sunday morning, you know. Hey, it's great to have you. I'm a sinner. You? You know, I mean, not a great way, but we are all sinners. And it's really not as it appears many times. In church, if we're honest, we all put on a pretty good picture. Praise God. How are you? Really? Because there are times you don't feel like that at all. How many have ever got in an argument, husband and wives, on the way to church? Are we the only ones? Good. Well, don't raise your hands too high. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Now, just to define the fact that things are not always as they appear, if you've grown up in church your whole life, here's one of the excruciating things you all had to, to go through. Church directories. Do you remember the pictures in the church directories? Do you remember? So here's a few of our, look at that. 
Wow. Nice hair. Look at that. There we go. Let's keep filing through to get this over with. Look at the hair. Wow. And then, yeah, that's the last one we did. You'll notice uh, I was having a good hair day. So anyway, but what's interesting, the longer I live and I go back through those pictures, and I bet you're all the same way with your family pictures. You look at that picture and you remember what's going on behind the picture. You know what I'm saying? You'll see that picture. It doesn't matter if you're all smiling. You remember what was going on when that picture was taken. You remember what season of life you were going through. And sometimes you laugh, and sometimes, honestly, you don't want to see that picture. Because here's what we realize with family. Families are messy. Would you agree? They're messy. We don't always want to talk about it, but at times, families are difficult. And just because there's a nice little portrait on the wall doesn't mean a thing. And Marie and I, the longer we've been working with folks in church, behind closed doors, we realize life really is messy. And sometimes family is really difficult and painful. It's been said about difficult churches, talking about families and difficulty. Here's how you know you're a part of a difficult church. If 60 Minutes shows up for the next board meeting, that's a difficult church, okay? If you have to pass through a metal detector to get inside, that's a difficult church. If the choir wears black leather robes, that's a difficult church. And all of us have been in difficult church situations, and all of us have experienced messiness and tension in our families. All of us have. Andy Stanley said this about tension, and I love it. Every organization that has problems that should not be solved and tension that should not be resolved. Let me say that again. Every organization has problems that should not be solved and tension that should not be resolved. And so he said, here's what they ask in their organization all the time. Is this a problem to solve or a tension to manage? Now here's what he means. Every church should have tension. Every family should have tension. Now here's what I mean. For example, I want to, let me share this statement. It's one of the things we've talked about a lot on the West Side. We need to be willing to do whatever it takes to reach people wherever they are. It's a willingness to say to reach people for Christ that you've never reached, you need to be willing to do things you've never done. How many of you agree with that? If you're going to reach people you've never reached, you've got to do things you've never done. Do you see the tension in that sentence? It should keep us all up at night. But what happens is now people come to us and they'll say, I've got a great idea to reach so-and-so. I've got a great idea to help so-and-so. Can we do everything? No. And what happens? You have tension. But you know what? That's a great tension. When you follow the journey of Jesus Christ with those disciples, do you not think that every day as they were following Jesus, there was tension? Absolutely. Was that good? Yeah. That's how we grow. There's tension in the home. Is that a bad thing? No. We always think, oh man, shouldn't have any disagreements. We don't want that. Really? Matter of fact, it always cracked me up. Sometimes you'd see an older couple and they'd say, well, we've never raised our voice. We've never had an argument. And I'm like, what? You're missing out on so much, you know, so much. 
Of course there's going to be tension. Things are not always as they appear, and that's okay. That's okay. I hear people sometimes will say, I have a hard time in that church because there's tension. Well, there's, there's tension in all churches. Some of you, I know, <clears throat> this morning have probably been hurt uh, through a church experience, and I understand that. I understand that there are times when, <clears throat> just like there's great churches, I understand that there are churches that, honestly, they have tension they shouldn't have. Um, I hate to say this, but I've been a part of uh, hurting and struggling churches. And I remember one that I was at, um, we didn't realize how much trouble was in this church, <clears throat> and the senior minister scheduled, if you're ready for this, the congregational meeting at 2 o'clock on Super Bowl Sunday. That was our first congregational meeting. So I'm outside helping him pick things up, and I'm like, 2 o'clock, Super Bowl Sunday. Nobody's going to be here, he goes. <laughs> you're picking up on something. And I did pick up on something. I don't want you to raise your hand, but I want you to think, some of you have been a part of congregational meetings that have almost been embarrassing, that your stomach was sick before you went into those congregational meetings. That's one of the things I love about Sherwood Oaks. You know, when we have a congregational meeting, and let's say a congregation of 3,000, do you know how many people actually go to those congregational meetings? I, I bet we don't have three, 400 people. You know why? Because of the trust level. And I tell you what, it's critical that you trust. Because there are churches that have tension that they shouldn't have. And praise Lord for the tension that we should have. Here's my second observation about families. Families can be strong without a direct bloodline. Families really can be strong without a direct bloodline. Let me share with you what I'm talking about. In Matthew chapter 12, this is one of those times when you look at the life of Jesus and you think, boy, this is, a, this is an amazing teaching. And it's also one of those times where I think the disciples, their heads had to be spinning. So let me give you a little background what's going on. Jesus is sitting down and he's sharing with the crowd. And outside, uh, anywhere Jesus showed up, a crowd would show up. And on this particular time, the crowd was surrounding Jesus. And outside of the, on the perimeter of the crowd was his actual family, his, his mother and his, his siblings. And here's what goes on. It says, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside and they're wanting to speak to you. Look at verse 48. And he replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here's my brother and my mother, excuse me, and my brothers. For whoever does this, to the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, how confused do you think they were at that moment? What? No, no, Jesus, you didn't hear what we said. Your mom, your mom, Jewish culture, wants to talk to you, which means clear the way for your mom. Jesus used this as a teaching opportunity. He said, okay, here's what you need to understand. When you're talking about family, there is a bloodline, and it's a DNA-tested bloodline, and that's family. You all understand that, but there's another family. He's speaking in future tense. You're my brother. You're my sister. You are my family because your, your bloodline is me, Jesus Christ. Now, did they get it? No. Years later, are we beginning to understand it? I hope we do. 
You see, there is truly an earthly family that is truly DNA tested. We have a bloodline, and that blood is thick, and it's, it's important. But we also have, and here's what's awesome, God says, when you begin surrendering your life to Christ, now you have a global family. And your bloodline and the connection is Jesus Christ. That you have brothers and sisters in Africa. You have brothers and sisters all around the world. Why? Because you share Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? That you could go worship right now in Africa. And you could literally reach out your hand and say, you're my brother. You're my sister in Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, probably one of the greatest examples of that in Galatians 4 is he uses this phrase, we have been adopted and redeemed in Christ. You ever wonder why he uses that word adoption? Because it is an amazing mystery. Some of you have been a part of this mystery. I've seen it in my own family. I remember when my nephew and his wife I had this beautiful little boy, and I remember they have this picture of when they had this little boy from Korea, and they reached out, and now that's their son. And they have a picture right when she's holding that baby, and the tears just flooding down her cheeks. That is her son. Is it her bloodline son? No. But does she love that son like her own? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what Christ says to all of us about our family. When the church family realizes the importance of family and the depth of that family, it changes everything. It changes everything. When I was a kid in this little bitty church, there were a couple of songs we used to sing all the time. I had no idea what it meant uh, until I was older. One was the doxology. Anybody remember singing that? Praise God from... I'd always try to sing bass when I was like 13. Praise God and mom would say, do you know what that means? Don't have a clue. We sang it almost every Sunday. And then here was another one. I'm so glad I'm a part. Oh. Now think about that. I remember as a kid thinking, you know, if you're visiting, that has to be weird. You know why? Do you do that in your families? Okay, wait a minute, everybody, before you leave, we have a family song. We are family. You know, I mean, you don't break into song. So why does the church do that? Because it's just a reminder, hey, we are family. We are the fan. Is it cheesy sometimes? Yeah, it's okay. It is. But it's just saying we are connected through the blood of Christ that we seriously want to be part of his family. Don't we all want to be a part of that family? That it feels like a church family. And then last of all, simply this, God's desire for the families is that we have each other's back. That's really what God wants. Being a family during the easy times, come on, that's not family. When family is at its best is when your life is at its worst. Isn't that true? That when life is falling apart and family pulls together, there's something about that. There's something amazing. Uh, Marie's mother, my mother-in-law, passed away uh, last summer. And uh, Marie, it's a brother and five sisters, and so the, the, all the sisters uh, married, I'm, I'm being honest, totally different guys. We are all totally, if you guys don't know this, Tom's my, my brother-in-law, Tom Ellsworth. <clears throat> and everybody says, you two are so alike. No, nobody says that. And so you get this crazy, like, this melting pot of personalities. But you know, at the funeral, I sat back and I thought, 
I wouldn't want to be with anybody else right now. I just love the fact that at the darkest moments, families really are at their best. And that's the same thing with a church family. During our hardest times, we're there for one another. That's why there's so many verses about one another, one another, because we need to have each other's back. Ecclesiastes 4 says this, uh, verses 9 and 10, two are better than one because if there is a good return for their labor, and if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But I pity any, anyone who falls and has no one there to help them up. Family. Family has your back. There's a commercial we're going to show here uh, that's come out recently. <clears throat> it's a Coca-Cola commercial, and I absolutely love it because I think it describes uh, what a family is all about. So we're going to show that for you. <laughs> is that awesome or what? My favorite part of that whole commercial is the brother tipping the bottle at the very end. And the reason why is uh, the little guy's face is almost like, you'll always be my brother. And the big brother's face is, and I'll always be the big brother. Some of you know exactly what that's like. But at the end of the day, what happened? You've got my back. That's really what it's all about. Some of you came here this morning, and when you think about family, maybe the first thing you think is, I'm putting on a pretty good front because right now my family just is hurting and they're struggling. And I don't know who to talk to. I don't know who to pray with. We always want to be a church that's praying for you. Some of you may come here this morning and you just want somebody to have your back. You just feel like, man, I just need that. And that really is the purpose of the church. I think people have a lot of misconceptions about the church. But when you go through God's word, at the end of the day, the church is what? It's the family. It is ultimately the family. I want to close with these deep theological thoughts. It's a sentence from Disney's Lilo and Stitch. And it's set in Hawaii. Ohana means family. And family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. Isn't that true? Family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. In just a moment, we're going to sing. And some of you may be wrestling, first of all, with just a decision of coming to Christ. And we always want to be here to help you in that journey. Some of you may be looking for a home, a family, and we'll do everything we can to help you be a part of God's family. Let's stand and let's sing.